show. And thank you too, Jason, for... Uh... Oh no, thank you, Will, for uh, joining me and all you dear listeners joining me on this uh, Bits and Pieces. I'm going to readjust my microphone so I can be in a little bit more of a... A personal... Casual, a casual, oh. post, just an up-close... Should we dim the lights? Can you even dim the lights? Uh, not this one. The only, only the ones outside you can dim. This one I can only just change yeah. the, the color. It's and like, I would not recommend uh, starting a fire here so we don't get cozy and warm. And Yeah, no, there's no circulation right now. So uh, I don't want to die from carbon monoxide poisoning. Uh, it is, as they say, the silent killer for real. Okay. Huh. Now we're getting into what, you know, the whole, you know, us rambling into microphones is like we're going to be going into a bits and pieces episode. So I, I'm not leading this one because I actually don't have a topic in mind, but Jason's got a couple. I'm interested to hear uh, what he's got in his mind and wants to discuss today. Well, you like anime, right? Wow. I feel like you've asked me this many a time when we're doing a BP. Uh, the answer is still yes. Yeah. You like manga, right? Absolutely. I don't like night, no- night novels, though. Do you like certain anime and manga more so than others? Well, absolutely. Yeah, of course. Even if they are not necessarily critically acclaimed, right? Or high score or outstanding. I think generally the stuff that I like and I praise the high heavens is like unanimously or objectively like at that level for everyone else but there are going to be some series that like, i definitely like put a lot more importance of like for example like, i don't think there's as many people that love tatami galaxy as much as i do like if i said that like tatami galaxy is the greatest anime of all time i think that maybe one out of a hundred people will agree with me uh yeah i also think though no one will dispute that tatami galaxy is a very good anime just like steins gate if you say you like steins gates you're favorite anime of all time or even to the point where i even said that like the first half of steins gate is so fucking boring but the rest of it is so amazing that it was enough for me to give it a 10 and like in like the top five of all time for anime for me right so i am not here to talk to you about how people feel about a certain anime and the reception whether critically or popularity wise i want to talk about for this episode of Bits and Pieces, anime and or mangas that held significance and personal attachment to you. Because a lot of our BPs and some of our ADs are are tailored around a list or a trend, right? Especially our BPs are more of talking about a certain kind of trend in the industry or, or or some sort of or like a specific news article that came up and we really need to talk about it exactly right but it is focused on just chilling and chatting about those things but i want to also focus on the things that make you and i weebs and the things that make us where anime and manga instills some sort of attachment maybe it is not outstanding maybe even you know it's crap or maybe it is not people or no one will have the exact same opinion because there is a personal story of you injected into it. So it could be an outstanding anime that holds personal attachment. Or it could be a shit show of an anime or manga that you just really love. and Or it is an event 
personal life event, IRL event, and it just so happens that a manga or anime affected you in such a way. So if since I sprung this on you, I will start with, and maybe we don't need to. Know, I don't know like how many anime slash mangas we'll go through. We might not even like list a specific anime. We might even just talk about a type of anime or manga that like we feel very very strong about, no matter what everyone else says, and that's why we you know develop a personal attachment. Therefore, we end up scoring it higher than what other people perceive to be a regular score for it. Yeah, I mean, it could be either all, all or, sorry, you know, it could be a genre or a specific anime or manga, right? So let me start with probably my favorite manga, uh, my, my, sorry, my favorite anime of all time, like actually, which is Gurren Lagann, Teppen Toppen Gurren Lagann. TTGL for short. Yes, TTGL. And TTGL holds significance in my life not only because it is a very good anime, in my opinion, and a lot of people agree. I mean, spoiler alert, I gave it a 10 as well, so. Yes. And I think deservedly so. I approve of your decision. But I watched it at a time when I was very much in a not-so-happy place in terms of my mind in, in real life. I was struggling with a lot of personal questions and life questions, and I was kind of in a rut. And by chance... I was having Vietnamese pho with um, a high school friend. And he was like, yo, since you are have nothing really to do, why don't you go watch this show? Have you heard of it? TTGL. And I was like, what are you fucking talking about? I mean, wh- what is this? And he's like, trust me, bro. And in a span of maybe 36 hours, I binged the whole thing. And it really, from... Zero to a hundred, just like Simon or or Simon, uh, it reinvigorated a lot of inspiration and energy in me, such that it's not. I'm here to say that it's not like depression is something that you can get out of easily, and things can take years, months, days, or hours. Right? It really depends per person or whatever the mood swing or situation is. But TTGL holds significance because it took me out of that rut. The philosophy of, you know, piercing through the heavens, as they say, or if you can't get past a wall, well, then bash through it. If you can't get through a door, then just ram your head through it until it breaks and you won't break because you will make it. Really has a huge significance in my mind such that it's not, it just so happens to be an outstanding anime. But it is one where it is so near and dear to my heart. I think there is a YouTube channel, which I might uh, put the link in the show description because it's this guy's, also his personal take on how TTGL affected him. And it's 50 minutes long and it has like several hundred thousand hits. And it is a fantastic take from a personal perspective of an anime that also had personal attachment for me, but for completely different reasons. I watched it at a different time. I think I, I watched it... Like semi-recently, right? No, not even semi. I mean, like, would you say like four years ago, five years five years ago recently? Well, compared to me, yeah. Yeah, because you definitely watched it closer to when it released. Like, I think for me, it's like I watched it within the time span of me actually getting back into anime, especially after graduating and working and stuff, right? True, okay. Um, so 
I don't necessarily hold the same reasons for why I hold TTGL at such high acclaim. And that's okay. I think it's just the fact... I mean, I still give it a 10. I, I would have it like a top 10 anime for sure. Um, and it's just because of the fact that it's it's not so much like personal significance. I think it was just the fact that the storytelling was awesome. The, the graphics, the animation was beautiful. And the message it sent throughout the story was just like very... Like heartwarming, yeah. Like literally, like you have like factions of evil taking over every couple episodes, but you always found some way, some lights at the end of this tunnel to be able to get you out of a rut and find a solution to you know get you out of this mess. Whether or not that was the best solution, whether you do get the solution, the resolution you 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 seek. Um, but I think that like in the end, like that that sort of like overbearing message throughout hot bloodedness, right? Yeah. I think it definitely like sort of like gets you like passionate about a lot of things, not just about anime too, just about uh, yeah, like whatever's going on in your life. And it came at the perfect time, such that you could have said, "Oh, if I injected something else, would you have had the same reaction?" Maybe, but in 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 this timeline, so to speak, uh, TTGL was that thing that propelled me not only back into anime, but really elevated my mood such that I got out of this rut and I picked myself back up again. Is that very melodramatic sounding? Absolutely. But it really did that for me. That's why it's not only... It just so happens to be an outstanding anime, but because of this personal attachment, it made it almost like 11 out of 10. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think for me, an example of that kind of like anime series that whilst being very good may or may not actually like according to other people be listed as like the greatest anime of all time but yeah. for me it has a lot of personal attachment uh high score girl yes yeah high score girl i immediately gave it a 10 simply because it wasn't so much that like i was going through a tough time or like i was in a dark place yeah, and it doesn't have to be right it was more just the fact that like i was in the middle of like my current career Right, I, I was. I, I've been working for like five, five, six years, nonstop, uh, working in a job that, like, you know, I, I definitely appreciate what I can get out of it. But there was definitely times where I'm like just thinking, it's like, hmm, really wish I could just, you know, put the brakes on this and just enjoy, you know, the finer things in life, or just, you know, go back to chilling out and not having as many worries or, you know, things on my plate, and. When High Score Girl came along and I started watching it, it gave me a very, very warm feeling immediately. I mean, mostly because of the fact that it really dials in hard on that nostalgia factor. The fact that it's set in the late 80s, early 90s, covering classic video games. Like, like when arcades were actually arcades, like, right? And, and showcasing games like uh, the Kung Fu, Virtua Fighter... Street Fighter, um, Street Fighter as well, like mainly Street Fighter, really. Uh, that, Zangief, right? Yeah, that reminded me of the times when I was like, literally their age in the anime. Just like you know, you know the the SCAA, South China Athletic Association. Yes, it, it, it's, it's a club that's really close to the football stadium. Oh, I do know what you're yeah, talking about. That, there, they used to have where the bowling alleys are, an arcade, and it was awesome they had like all the games you wanted to play they had like uh that final fight they had captain commando they had um a lot of other beat-em-ups they had street fighter they had tekken 
And I remember like spending hours because I used to do, I used to do swim meets uh, when I was a kid. And after after or even before swimming, I would like spend like an hour or two at that arcade and just play whatever the fuck was open. I played this beat 'em up. I played that beat 'em up. I'll spend like ten dollars here, ten dollars there, and then afterwards, when I'm done or I have no money, then I go off and do my swimming, or I go home after I finish my swimming and all that. So that was like I remember too, like some of the most carefree moments of my life, where legitimately it's like outside of homework, outside of waking up to go to school, outside of doing extracurriculars. That was a point of freedom. That like when I think back on it as well, it's like. I can't. I I don't know if I'm ever gonna be able to get back to that level of serenity anymore. It is nostalgia in its most purest, innocent form, right? And like the fact that I was watching this whilst in the middle of like a career burnout as well, right? Like was like, the most fitting thing to watch. Like it, it it didn't necessarily give me like the drive and the passion to just like you know what like buckle down, just get back to work, everything's gonna be fine. No, rather it just gave me a longing sense of just wanting to revert back to that carefree lifestyle of just doing things that I enjoy. Like, granted, I don't play as nearly as many video games as I do now, as I did back then. But the fact that, like, it gave me that sense of, like, you know what? Like, you used to do this shit all the time. You used to go to arcades and drop dollars into the machines and just play all day, go with your friends, go on your own. Maybe your parents wait for you outside when you finish, you know, finishing off a level uh, in, like... In Captain Commando and whatnot. Or Metal Slug. Oh, Metal, Metal Slug was like the shit for me too. I played every single one of them. Fucking amazing. Um, that, that was it too. It's like for a lot of people, they might be weirded out by like the, 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 the character designs. They might not feel that the story is all that great. I mean, which it, I it argue, is a bit jarring, yeah. right, with yeah. the 3D. So I can't fault someone for saying that. But, but for me, like that was never really an issue because – just watching it, what I took to heart was the that 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 childhood innocence that the characters like portrayed throughout the whole series, even when they were growing up, even when they started going into middle school, high school, and starting to take on more real world shit, and then when they actually start letting real world shit affect their lives and affect their appreciation for gaming, that was just like. There were, there were a lot of parallels with how I felt about things were going on in my life and how I compared it back to when I was a kid, too. So if I was to go back now and start watching it all over again, even knowing what happens in the story, I don't. I, I loved it so much, I even bought the manga and read it back to front all over again. So if you were to watch it for the first time now, would it have hold as much personal attachment? It probably still will. Because it still has that nostalgia for me. Like, even now, it's like if I see, like, it's weird to say things like, "Oh, it's all retro." Because really, when people say retro, they really mean old. So I, I think that's like it, it. It get like the word retro gets thrown out a little too easily now and then. It's like just because like like things in the two thousands would be considered retro now. When really, yeah, yeah you know. Even stuff in the two thousand tens could be considered retro. But personally, retro. when and this is just a side uh, note thing. Whenever I think retro, I think like Tron, not Tron. You uh, think I think not the, the new Tron. I like, think Atari. Yes, exactly. Right? I think like Stranger Things I think, time I era. I think Nintendo Power Glove. You know, yes, like that's, exactly. You know, Virtual Boy. That's what I would consider I think retro. Far Cry Three Blood Dragon. If you know that reference, but uh, okay. like um, it's like eight bit, sixteen bit 
you know, Final Fantasy VI, bef- yeah. and maybe even seven to a certain degree, right? Like that kind of like by the by, by like by Wreck-It definition. Ralph, like Wreck-It Ralph, yeah. but not the Pixar, but the pixelated versions of the arcade games that it inspired Wreck-It Ralph, yeah, Mr. Game and Watch, exactly. That stuff, yeah. So I understand. For me, with at least with TTGL, it was a singular like period or incident or moment, right? Such that if I were to watch it for the first time now, it won't hit the same like it did back then. Like even if I you were to erase what TTGL meant to me now and you made me watch it, I'll probably still give it a nine or a ten out of ten. But it won't be that eleven but, but out of ten. You watched it in that place in that moment, exactly. Right? Like right place, right time, type of deal, right? Of course, your your um, personal attachment to High Score Girl is not only very valid; it's very understandable. But it is timeless, right? As as you kind of alluded to and answered, which is, it doesn't matter if I were to watch it now or a year from now, because of the past is fixed. And that nostalgic factor will always be there. In fact, you might argue it could have been even stronger, right? Yeah. So, uh, I think yeah, actually, like, if I watched it like ten years from now, like if I was in my forties and I watched it, the nostalgia might hit even harder because I'm thinking back even further into my past. It's always like just seeing the progression of your life and then looking back on what you started from. This is what High Score Girl did for me. Like, legitimately, just like me thinking back to when I was growing up in the 90s, doing all that shit. And now looking at myself here, it's like what I would give to be able to relive those moments. Not necessarily, like, for me, it's like, would I ever go back in time and change anything? No, I would never do that. But what I would do is literally just go back in time and get a snippet of what my seven year old, eight year old self would be doing at that moment in that arcade, ready to put in that quarter into the machine or the Hong Kong dollar into the machine and just playing to my heart's content. Or maybe I don't play to my heart's content because I don't have enough money to play it. You know? Like, it's it's just one of those things, too. It's like, oh, damn, I've only had more quarters. It's like, But that's like that's like the cool shit where it's just like, you know what? Like, you spent enough money, you played some games, maybe you'll try your luck again next time when you have enough money to play another few rounds of Metal Slug or whatnot. Yeah, like, I totally get that. I think that when there is a hobby that you like, in this case, video games, and when you tie it in with childhood nostalgia, it is like that perfect combo, right? Because our parents did not grow up with video games like how we are currently living through this video game era. In fact, in many ways, we were living at a time when, okay, maybe not video games first started, but to the point where we saw the growth of it, to the point where now it is so many billion dollar industry. But at the same time, you're also keeping up with that growth too. Exactly. Right? It's, it's like it's, living. It's, it's not like we only just stuck playing Atari and uh, Neo Geo, right? Like now we we will dabble into some PC games. We'll play some PS4 games yeah. if if we have the time. It's or like the we live too. It's like you and I both grew up at a time when the internet did not exist, like yeah. for real, right? 
and they are people that are being born or you know are grown ups now and that first never they, knows what that is. And the first thing they put in their hand is an, an iPad. iPhone. Yeah, they can't iPhone, iPad, whatever. Their handwriting is shit, and they can't write for they can't physically write for shit, but they can know how to swipe on. A, There's even like some software now where like for example like word like word editing software where instead of it being a save with a floppy disk icon, they're changing the icon now because kids nowadays have no idea what a floppy disk is. Blasphemous, but right? yes, I totally get it. Then comes going off of the form of technology, which is a very oh, good actually, segue. Speaking of nostalgia as well, uh, my mom the other day was like, "Can you do me a favor?" It's like, "Yeah, sure." What you built computers, right? It's like, "Yeah." Could you build me like a a gaming cabinet and just have Tetris on it? What? Yeah, that's fucking crazy. Yeah, but the problem is now because like if you I need was... a circuit board and a CCTV though. CCTVs are not hard to find. The circuit boards are hard to find because I would be running it off of an emulator using uh, a like Raspberry Pi. Yeah, because I actually because here's the thing. I actually have I still have the SNES cartridge for uh, Tetris. That's actually not that that solves some things, but doesn't actually. But, but, but what it means is that like because I actually own the game. Then it's like that little gray area of yeah. where the emulation's fine. I actually own the game, so that's fine. The problem is though is that I would run those emulators off of a Raspberry Pi, and given the global chip shortage we're in right now, oh I see, you can't buy Raspberry Pis. I see. So okay, I tell my mom that she had to wait. Kind of heartbreaking actually, because I was like that would be a very fun project to do. Sorry, uh, Mama Will Okasan. Sorry, <laughs> Mama Edge Lord. <laughs> Mama Edge Lord. I said Mama. Mama will mama. Yeah. Mama will mama. mother. Edgelord yeah. sama. Edgelord mama. There but go. going off of technology, though, the genre that probably is the nearest and dearest to my heart, more so than fluffy what, slice of life stuff, is not just sci fi, but cyberpunk. I, ever since Ghost in the Shell, even actually before that, the whole concept of going off of a little bit of this retro idea of like back then in the 1980s, what they thought the future would be. And then that kind of aesthetic, that kind of futuristic, oh, Blade Runner, of course, can't we can't forget that. The Matrix and all those really cyberpunk, futuristic, sci-fi, but it's kind of like this weird offshoot of what we now currently envision the future to be is a genre that is so near and dear to my heart that as well like for you particularly as well because like whenever people talk about like cyberpunk or sci-fi they're always like very sort of like fixated on like oh like cutting edge like new age technology or like super cool action fighting scenes with spaceships and lasers. but i think like and those the, are good too but the, thing but... That, but the thing that carries the most weight i feel in a lot of sci-fi is particularly in cyberpunk is the philosophy behind yes it, you know okay so that is why I really like cyberpunk because it is not only this kind of fictitious imagining of what the future would be given what you currently know or the author or mangaka or writer or whatever, right? But even with like the advancement of technology and the implementations of like technological advancements, the main question always, always pertains to what about humanity? Exactly. All these life philosophical existential questions, in some ways, due to the cyberpunk genre, is explored more so, more vigorously. So what does this mean in terms of the realm of anime and manga? 
things like Blame is so near and dear to my heart in terms of the architecture, aesthetics, apocalyptic setting. Of course, cyberpunk, edge runner. Let me ask you this. Yeah, so Ghost the last, in the Shell. So the yeah. last time we, we watched Ghost in the Shell because they did a re-release, which is like an IMAX or like a 4K re-release. Uh, 4K, yeah. If in the future there was like a new upscale like definition, they were able to also create a new sound system that's even better than like 7.1 HD surround, you know, all around. That one, you know, the, the Dolby yeah. Atmos thing, right? Yeah. Like if there was like a re-re-release... I mean, how many tickets are you buying for that? <laughs> Would you watch it again? Do you think? Yeah. Yeah. Just just because, like, even though you've watched it, you already know the philosophies behind it. You already know. The I story. own the DVD of Ghost in the Shell. I own the Blu-ray of Ghost in the Shell. I went with you to watch the 4K of Ghost in the Shell. You have a poster of Scarlett Johansson in your bedroom. No, as well. I don't. <laughs> but I do own a sweatshirt of Ghost in the Shell. Yes, you do. And a T-shirt of Ghost in the Shell. Ghost in the Shell is probably, uh, it got dethroned by a silent voice, but was my number one anime movie of all time forever almost. Uh, yeah, I, I will definitely buy a ticket. But in terms of like, I mean, it's it's definitely not like a fair comparison, right? But in terms of like personal impact, like where does that stand in comparison to like TGL? Because TGL seems like it's like a momentary, like it was in that instance that it was just like it was amongst like a dark world for you, the brightest light. Whereas it seems like consistently throughout the time when you started watching Ghost in the Shell till even now that it's 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 been there, so all the time. This is gonna sound very weird for me to say, but cyberpunk, the genre whether it is Akudama Drive, whether it's Ghost in the Shell, whether it is Psycho Pass, or even live-action movies, have all led me, at some point, watching it, consuming it, to question my future. Your existence. My existence. Not like some like meta, like, oh my god, like where am I in the pantheon of the universe? Like that kind of existential crisis. I meant like, like what am I? I am not that kind of shit, right? Well, like, I mean, not, like, not, not that, not that, like, not that deep, not that deep, but deep in the sense of what does the future hold? What does the future look like? And in response to this kind of thought experiment, like what you can where do about does it? my future fit in this trajectory? And potentially what you can do about it, right? Exactly. This whole thing of AI has been in the topic of discussion a lot recently. We made a BP on it. It's a very popular episode. And it always has in the back of my mind when these types of discussions resurface. I think it, I think, makes me yeah. reassess like, oh, the job that I have, is it going to happen? Or is it going to still be there? Is it going to be this thing where Sword Art Online is going to be the way that we game? Even something as insignificant towards like fulfilling my economic situation, such as like uh, so this fictitious sort of online VR stuff, right? It kind of goes into all different directions. Or I think do well, I have a digital like... girlfriend? You know, we, we joke around about people marrying their 2D waifus. Yeah. But there is there – is, I did entertain the thought in my mind like is that physically possible for this reality to exist? How will it pan out? How does it factor into – my life or what would I do and it's those types of thoughts that holds attachment to the cyberpunk genre but I think it's also the fact that like even though you're trying to sort of break down and 
potentially see the future you're always thinking of that within your present capacity right so it's always yeah. it's like you we've lived but it changes right we've, we've lived through enough time where legitimately the first game console came out the mm-hmm. first mobile console came yeah out. the first the first time we ever accessed the internet. The first time we had personal computers. Modems. First time the laptop came first out. The time first time we had cell phones. The first right? time 3D TVs came. Out. Even the first smartphone. Everyone. Like, every any time there's like a new technical innovation, technological innovation. A lot of times, like, especially looking back on it now, we're always thinking, "Wow, this was a great advancement. This is something that really does help the human race." But a lot of times, especially when the internet came out as well, a lot of people, a lot of the discussion at the time was basically. Will this be the end of humanity? Will this mean like the end of everyday jobs? Much like how, like even though the power of AI is super useful in aiding humankind, a lot of people now think about: Is this going to take jobs? Is this going to destroy the and, fabrics of reality? And, and I think AI and automation, just like how the internet at that time, right, with Y two K, even is, I think given the context at that moment and at this moment with AI and automation, a very legitimate worrying thing. Does it end up being a big deal or not? Sometimes yes, sometimes no, and sometimes a little bit in between, right? But it, as you said, different periods of time. I watched Akudama Drive, Psycho Pass, Ghost in the Shell, Cyberpunk Edge Runners, all at different times, obviously. Not back to back to back to back to back. And for some of these cyberpunk properties, cyberpunk genre animes, it is at different segments of my life. And I somehow always remember the last time I had these similar thoughts with that last cyberpunk type of uh, property. And it's always kind of interesting to see where was I before? What was I thinking back then? Or of course, sometimes my memory is not great what was I kind of thinking back then and how has it changed now? I, I think as well, right? Like maybe more especially for you too. Like in regards to those properties, regardless of whether you watched that launch, regardless if you watched it 10 years later, regardless if you watched it like as a remaster with all the new advances in technology have come before us. I think that at any point in any of those moments, any of those events, that you can always go back to Ghost in the Shell and and think this is very much applicable to our current situation right now. Much like how you could also say, like, in terms of live action, The Matrix, too. Yeah, I think Ghost in the Shell, of course, is a very outstanding movie and a very well-known, popular, and critically acclaimed yeah, movie. Even without the philosophy part into it, right? But, like, I think it's the philosophy part that, like, is what is more of like the personal, especially kicker. the first one, not yeah. like standalone complex, like which innocence. is which is super good. Yeah. Standalone complex is super good. I have a soft spot for innocence, but I know a lot of people don't like it. But the slow ass pace of Ghost in the Shell one, and it just so happens, will that the backdrop is very much Hong Kong. Yeah, to the point where the the creators came to Hong Kong to kind of scout out designs and locations. There is. So that so it also that's why it also has personal attachment because that was the first movie from anywhere outside of Hong Kong that I can remember where Hong Kong is heavily inspired. Now, are you saying that like, you know, Jackie Chan or Bruce Lee is not affiliated with Hong Kong? Yeah, okay, I get you. But in terms of my personal like 
experience watching anime or any media, Ghost in the Shell was kind of like the one that started, was like, oh, shit. Like, people really give a shit about Hong Kong as a setting. Oh, wow. When you think about it, it is kind of crazy, like this urban concrete jungle, but like so densely packed. Like, granted, this is like before Jason really cared so much about outside of his little bubble, didn't really care about Singapore, not because I don't care about Singapore. I just it just wasn't a thing that I was thinking about at that time. I wasn't so worldly, you know, kind of international oriented, right? So I was just like, holy shit, people are paying attention to this, to Hong Kong, the country and the city that I live in. The fuck? That's awesome. Mix it in with the cyberpunk stuff. And then knowing in the future, looking back, I studied prosthetics and I worked in prosthetics. The whole bionic gear, microprocessor, knees and arms are real currently. Is it as real as those cyberpunk genres? Absolutely not. But it is real. People can pay money, a lot of money, to get microprocessor knees and upper limb modules. Cybernetic enhancements and all that. At some point, right? Yeah, at some point, right? Or like Google Glass, right? For for those kinds much of... much as it fails, it's like you, you appreciate the technology behind it. And I sure. had those moments at that time of Google Glass, and obviously now it's different, right? So cyberpunk means a lot to me. And Ghost in the Shell obviously was the one that started that kind of you know, thought experiment every now and again. But Ghost in the Shell holds a lot of real philosophical questions and personal attachment to me. Yeah. It, it, it's become harder for me to really think about series that I have personal attachments to. I think, obviously, there's stuff that, like, I have attachments to, but it's not necessarily personal. It's just a general emotional attachment, like stuff like Clan Adapter Story, like Anahana, for sure. And because, that's valid, because, because too. Of real but, like, I think... A genre that I I don't I don't deride just because I think it's like there's definitely a lot of appreciation for it, but I think that like at times people appreciate the specific genre for other reasons as opposed to the core, which is sports anime. Right. So of course, like I think the most popular ones are always going to be like Slam Dunk. It's always going to be like high Q. I think well, at least in terms of like modern, right? Anime, it would be like, to me, high Q, right? Yeah, I think right now there's only two avenues that sports animes can go down, and I don't know if there are more variants. It's either you be super realistic, or you take the sport and the premise and make it super shonen as fuck. Yes, right. So yes. like Kuroko Basket, like uh, and like, Slam Dunk, like Blue Lock and Ayawashi. Yeah, exactly. And then yeah, and and, and then like so. With um with with the realm of like sports, there are two sports anime that hold a lot of personal attachment for me. Now I really like Haikyuu, right? Mm-hmm. Haikyuu for sure. It's like it's great, but it's not a sport that I'm necessarily attached to. Yeah, but like, I think the journey of each character is is fucking fantastic, right? I also do appreciate you know Kurokoda Basket. Definitely also appreciate Blue Lock, but mm-hmm. those aren't necessarily, in my opinion, sports anime. Yeah, and not personally important to you. Yeah. Like maybe the genre can, itself yeah. is action, but the theme is sports. Yeah, like you, you can know? appreciate all those properties and pay heavily, like a lot of respect to it, but it's not personal right yeah so so had i grown up a little bit earlier or have i gotten into it at that point i think i would have loved the fuck out of slam dunk right unfortunately i didn't my cousin did he i did yeah he owns every single manga uh volume of slam dunk it's actually beautiful to see um but the ones the the two that 
always come to mind for me when it comes to my favorite sports anime of all time. One is Ping Pong the Animation. Yes. And two, very, very recently, Ayawashi. Right. Right? Now, you've watched Ping Pong the Animation, and you also love the shit out of it, too. I gave it a 10. Yuasa is fucking phenomenal. Yeah. And it's... Did I give it a 9 or a 10? Either or, right? It's still, like, in your book, like, a top 50 anime, right? You you can easily recommend it to people. Or you could just be, like, if you really want some real-world shit sports series, Ping Pong Animation is the way to go. Because they tap into the, the, the grit that you have to have. I gave it a 10. Yeah, you have to tap into the grit to be able to be at the top of your game. And sometimes like even if you are the best player there is in the world, you have the best technique, you have the best stamina, you have the best missile competi- composition, you might not ever have the right headspace to perform at the best of your ability. Yeah, I think one of the things that uh, a lot of non-athletes underestimate is the mentality of mind games and how your state of mind when you are training or during the game or post game, yeah, how it that, can that psychological actu- battle. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have a friend at Purdue who ended up studying sports psychology. And I think if you were to go to a lot of people in general and say sports psychology, Which I think honestly a very underrated profession. Yeah. I think but it's also like a lot oh, of people that hear that re- they think really? it's bogus, right? You're just trying to make, you know, athletes feel better about themselves. Like, yeah, because athletes are fucking people too. They're putting their bodies on the line to oh, be able well, to. Well, then why not go see a psychologist or a psychiatrist? Why sports psychology? Because, well, I, I won't get into it because I will go on a tirade and a rant, but it is a very worthwhile and in many ways and very interesting subject. I mean, uh, NBA, like Ben Simmons, I think yeah. my sports psychology friend has nonstop talking about it. and Because it's such an interesting case from a sports psychology yeah. perspective. Right? It's also like if you were to compare the problems that a lawyer has compared to an all-star NBA player, right? Like, yeah, you will both have similar kinds of familial issues or maybe like personal, like romantic issues, financial issues. Or and vices, yeah. right? But like... The, the psychology behind being a lawyer and being a athlete or any profession really is so vastly different from each other, even if it's like on paper quite minute. Yeah. And also you, you do need specializations within psychology to be able to tackle those problems. And to, and furthermore, to go off of what you're saying, at least with your example, right? I, I'm not nitpicking you or anything. A lawyer is kind of like, intelligence based right understanding the words the minutia the argument you can say like speech is a form of art at a certain point fine but sports is very physical in nature it it just is okay i'm not having that discussion with esports it is a real thing okay video games is a sport for a lot of people just like how chess is a sport and they're both legitimately sports okay darts is a sport i am not gonna have that discussion bowling's a sport billiards is a sport Yes. Anytime you're not just physically exerting yourself, but mentally and emotionally exerting yourself, I think there is grounds for you to call it a sport. But traditionally, those the, oh, oh, you're right. I'll get these physical aspects. Just like in Iowashi, it's about soccer slash football, and just like how in uh, what was the other one you were saying about ping pong? Ping pong is about the sport of ping pong. It is more physical based traditionally or colloquially speaking than 
your 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 mental head game. Yeah, I think what also I liked a lot about Awashi was that whenever they started like talking, not just like the real world like life of being like a trainee or being a youth player and trying to ascend the ranks, it was also whenever they were playing games. Like playing matches, like scrimmages, or just just like, like maybe they're doing a friendly or playing a league match, um, right? And they're right. playing against like a rival, and they start talking about tactics. They start talking about formations. They start talking about strategy. That shit was fucking amazing for me because none of those series, like Blue Lock, like or Kirk in a Basket ever go into like oh what does it mean to be a shooting guard what does it mean to be a forward what does it mean to be a fullback right what does it mean to do a high press or what does it mean to do a triangle offense and stuff like that whereas like in Iowashi they go into every little detail and as soon as like they like, they start like doing those actions but even talking about it, it's like oh I see that lane and immediately in my mind I'm like that guy's doing tiki taka right now. That guy's doing a gigging press. I have no idea right? what that is, but, but okay, for, let's go. That, that's why for me it's like super like like personal for me because like you want to see a sports anime talk about sports. You don't want to see how strong a person's free throw is or, or how I'm, hard they can kick or they've got some dead eye specialist that can always knock down a three no matter what right like you just want to see people actually look at the sport and see the deficiencies of their play and find a counterpoint to be able to rectify a problem and get yourself back into the game into a position where you can win right Right. it's never about like i'm better than you so i'm always going to win it's also not only am I better than you, but I also know how to make my team better than you. So we're always in the position to secure the ball and move forward and score the points we need to win. And that's that's something that like I know a lot of people don't like seeing in sports anime because it's not fun to watch for yeah. some people, right? When people when you when you literally have like a coach or a manager sitting down with that, you know those little boards with the little magnets to show player positions. Yeah, and all that? Like, I know. It's literally just it's it's that the anime, and people don't like that. I completely get it, but for me, it's so refreshing to see it because if I'm going to be watching an anime about football slash soccer, and they start going into the tactics and they actually get it right. Oof! It also helps that a lot of the like, like it's your examples, mental boner, yeah, right? A lot, a lot of the the examples they use also apply to a lot of the real world teams that I actually support and watch. So then it's like so players, it has that extra layer of an exactly. personal investment, players right? Playing in certain positions, a certain tactic being used, how they're pressing, how they're running down the clock, how they're managing free th- uh, throw ins and all that. It's 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 stuff where like, oh, it, it gets me off. You know, like emotionally, like I like I'm super happy that someone, especially the, the creators of Iowa, actually actually took the time to get that like, involved into the whole story rather than just, oh, uh, it's an underdog story and they play to win. They're the best in the world. And then that's it. Like, I don't, I don't care. The, or the, like, the, hey, I can do a Kamehameha equivalent in sports. I mean, think about how many times we've watched like matches and Haikyuu and like a team loses when it's like. But this is a this is a, a an anime, right? The 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 winners always win. That's they, that's no, no, not at all. There are going to be times when you're watching something and that team absolutely fucks up and fails, and then you see the mental drain it yeah. has on them. And to be fair, with Haikyuu, they do character developments very well, such that it becomes very emotional, very passionate, just like how 
Blue Lock or Kuroko no Basket does the marriage of the sport and shonen, almost fantasy, Dragon Ball-like to a certain degree. exactly. That they're all in their respective kind of niche, very outstanding, right? But the essence of Ayawashi, because I haven't watched it, but from what you have said to me time and time again, it is about the mental state of an athlete. And if correct me if I'm wrong, what happens when you don't make it? Or you think you're hot shit when you're not. And I'm not talking about like shonen, oh, my ego is snapped. I meant like the cold heart truth. Like, oh, the cold shower after a loss. But like rather than just seeing it, you are understanding the mindset that that person is going through, right? You you sit there and you watch for like two, three episodes focusing on a player that if it was done in the vein of like a blue lock or a Kuroko Nobaski, you know that they're going to be in adversity and get to the, where they want to be. Or they're just cast aside to focus on the main character. Whereas like in Haikyuu or like in Ayawashi, you can be the very best you are, you are right now. But if you don't do enough to improve your team, if you don't do enough to convince your coach or your manager that you are the right person and you have the right culture and mentality fit, you're out. And then you deal with the after effects of, wow, the what ifs. The if I'd done this, then what would have happened? Or I should have totally made that pass. Or I should have you know gone for that spike and actually maybe my life would turn around. It's, it's not focusing on the rosy picture all the time. And it's refreshing to see that. I know that... And for I, it to yeah. be successful too, right? I know, what I'm seeing as well is like sort of like the... Like, the, the, the negative parts of sports where people just don't want to see. They don't want to see dry tactics and strategy. They don't want to see the teams they, like, lose. I get that. But that's also, like... Part and, of the game, yeah, right? And, and, and I get as well... But I also that, like, get why it's not yeah, attractive I, as I a viewer, as well, right? Exactly. You want to watch anime and read manga because you want to break away from realism. You want to break away from what is all that shit that's happening in your real life so you can immerse yourself in a fantasy world and an imaginary world. But sometimes... It's it, it's good to at least see that your real world problems are not all that unique at times and that there's something else that is also able to process the same problems you have with the same emotions and potentially have the same results, but at least they tried. And that also can give you inspiration and vigor to go about and do things even though you may or may not succeed. Well, I need to say this just because I need to... You need to read real, the slam dunk uh, authors uh, about wheelchair basketball, right? Well, at least I think like, like yes. that's that's not that's not the whole thing. It is all the things that you said about Iowashi that is such a gut wrenching, but such a worthwhile journey that it is. It really, now that I think, even if I think about it, especially with that context of us into sports, right? It is such a good manga. It is, I don't even know how else to really describe it other than I'm sure when you read it, whenever that time will be, you will understand exactly how I would think you would understand it to be. It is such a good manga hey, it might be you know time to launch our our new uh series the gotta read them all yeah could be um speaking of 
anime and manga that is well known and uh, started all this. Um, I did not understand why I said that segue, but I'm just going to stick with it, okay? Bear with me here, Will. There are a set of three manga, one manga and two animes that completely changed my perception of anime and manga like 180 degrees in terms of what I thought anime and manga was and then, oh shit, uh, th- this is not what I was thinking, but I'm hella, hella on board. So the first one is the very first, I would say, quote-unquote, adult anime that I watched. So I know I'm being kind of disparaging here. What, Elfin Lead? No. <laughs> it is Serial Experiment ah, Lane. One. Yeah. That was the first. That was probably one of the worst things you could have watched as a kid, to be fair. But it w- yeah. yeah. And then I followed it up with Evangelion. That, like, I have a friend. What happened, man? Is that is that what made you the person you are, man? Yeah, very much so. Uh, but Serial Experiment Lane was. Always just get in the fucking robot. Just get in the robot, dude. <laughs> And have daddy issues, I yeah. guess, for sure. <laughs> Fuck it, right? Whatever. Um, but Serial Experiment Lane really took me by surprise because it's this kind of inquisitive, quiet... This was even before I watched Ghost in the Shell because this is the first anim- adult, an- quote-unquote adult anime or seinen that I that I watched. It was like, what is this non-shonen action thing? It involves a girl, a little girl. Like, what the fuck? What are all these questions as poses? Like, what is going on? So it really opened my eyes as to anime can be not only very, uh, like, mature, but it can really distort your perception of reality or make you question yourself. Then came the second hitter, which is the manga. And it's called Uzumaki by Junji Ito. I never could have imagined a scenario at that time previously that horror would be considered grotesque that, or that, grotesquely that, beautiful at the same time. That was the first you read, right? Not, not Tomie, not Gyo. Nope. Correct. Junji Ito's first work that I experienced, and my favorite one, is Uzumaki. To the point where then I watched the live-action Japanese horror movie of Uzumaki at that time. And was almost equally as in awe. Because I thought that at that time... I mean, I don't know if I would watch it now if it would hold up. But at that time, I was like, jaw drop. Like, but, how... you're, but you're gearing yourself up for the anime launch, right? Absolutely. I knew like <laughs> 20 years from now, Jason would be getting ready for that Halloween release. I actually don't know if it's releasing on Halloween. It, it probably will. Probably for it, fall? It'll release in fall for sure. Yeah, if, if, right? But uh, yeah. Uzumaki is this, in many ways, the art is kind of, in, you could look at it and say it's shit. Or you could look at it and say, like, it's so body horror twisted. I did not know body horror was a thing. Of course it was, it is a thing. And even before Junji Ito, it could have been a thing too. But that was my first exposure into body horror such that I did not know that, you know, Pokemon or... uh that kind of, like, Naruto, and you know, that kind of shonen stuff. And Junji Ito's work could be in the same medium of manga. It just 
blew my mind. And to have it look so disgusting in terms of the body horror and to also cannot look away from it and also cannot unabashedly, unironically say it's beautiful in a very body horror way, it is such a perplexing thought in me that I did not know how to even process it and it took me a while to, to you know to to get to the end of that processing line you know and it really gave me that impression of wow mangas are not just shonens they're for real of course they are for real but like oh shit you can actually do this of course you could do mature writing and body horror and all that with manga no duh jason but it didn't really, at least, even though it's such an obvious thought, it did not cross my mind until I, I read Uzumaki. I own Uzumaki, the hardcover. It is equivalent to me personally of reading The Watchmen, the, the comic book series. I own the the comic book uh, Watchmen, but, like, the ultra, like, super tall, like, as tall as, like, you know, yeah. like a Calyx shelf. It was like 200 US dollars or 100 something US dollars, but it is beautiful. Uzumaki is beautiful, and it really set the the pace for my love into horror and mature audience of, you know, being exposed to anime and manga. Then I was doing okay in terms of my sanity. Then came Satoshi Khan and Paranoia Agent. And I forgot. I was naive and thought, you know what? My state of mind is fine. Anime and manga is great. Psychopaths, yeah, it, it blew my mind. But I mean, it literally blew your mind, right? Yeah, but it's it, better it, than it, blowing your head off. Yeah, but it, it's not. It's not gonna like, ha- like make me like have like this kind of almost hallucinate, even though I'm not hallucinating whatsoever, not taking any drugs, just watching this plushy in this anime called Paranoia Agent unfold on screen. Wait, why is this opening doesn't make sense with the visuals and why are these people just smiling and laughing? It's kind of odd. What the fuck is going on? That truly Holy has to, shit. That truly has to be one of the most memorable OPs of all time. It is. For all the wrong reasons and all the best reasons at the same time. You know what I mean? Like, there's no reason for it to be that memorable except... It is supposed to be that memorable. Uh, it's so weird. And that kind of disconnect. Paranoia Agent reinvigorated that discussion. Would Paprika and Perfect Blue do that? Do the same thing? Most likely. But oh, though, de- definitely, I say, yeah. But those three properties, it was Serial Experiment Lane that started this whole sane and mature anime perspective in me, even though it has existed previously. Uh, then came Junji Ito's Uzumaki, then came Satoshi Khan's Paranoia Agent. Like, like way later. It is just the fuck? This mind-bending thing. I think you're going to have to add something to that too then, right? Because uh, not too long ago, and the fact that it now has English as well, um, a certain manga series that's not necessarily horrifying, but definitely terrifying... 
Blood on the Tracks you're thinking of? Yeah. No. I mean, you don't think it has that kind of... It doesn't have that... It it doesn't hold that level of horror for you? No, because it does. It just doesn't have personal attachment like the other three does. Mm. I mean, other three do. I... Just like you, Blood on the Tracks is a 10 out of 10 horror manga. What I think it does, though, rather than like having personal impact, it definitely sort of redefined the way that I see horror. Yeah, and I I do think... And, Under and, the realm of personal impact and attachment, I I still think it counts. Because what it does is rather than like impacting my own persona, it impacted my perspective in, ter- in terms of like what I look for in a horror series. Now, right. You know? I think I think that the whole topic of that I'm was trying to you know cover today with you is just having a very awesome conversation about personal like growth, affiliation, attachment reorientation of your perspective of through the lens of anime and manga yeah i think honestly though like if i if 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 i had to name a manga or anime series that pretty much started it all for me there were two and it's Uh, it's, it's, i know one of them but i'm gonna let you say it's very clear that these are of course two of the most popular anime and manga series and and you know what that's fucking fine my first foray into anime and manga started with Full Metal Alchemist, mm-hmm. the original series mm-hmm. before they had their little, you know. Oh, so you didn't read the manga? No. Okay, okay. but the but the but the anime was whoa, so good, right? And I think that not the Brotherhood. Yes, Brotherhood came later on. All right, right I know. Sure. But I'm I just think, giving context. But I think, like, in terms of like, of course, like watching Brotherhood was like. The, the the cherry on top of the pie of like, course it literally like helped me like get that closure of wow like when is this ever going to get finished i mean i even read mm-hmm. i even watched like the shambhala movie uh just to get more. i don't even know what that is it, it's a it's another like non-canon movie of um uh a film alchemist that came out in 2005 i think um which i i really like too but, i just need to hear that guitar yeah dude, uh, for again i think like i mean the fact like um the, the the I think it was the third ending of Fullmetal Alchemist, the original, uh, which is called Motherland, is still one of my favorite songs of all time. Motherland. When I I'll play it later. I don't want to get yeah, DMCA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like that to me like it it will always be like that. It, it's not even me being a shill, like a typical shill for FMA and all that. It's just it was one of the first series I got into, and it was like it was super impactful because I. I, I mean, I've read comics before. I grew up reading, like, Spider-Man and Batman, like, Dilbert and all the fucking, like, different mm-hmm, little mm-hmm. comic strips you get in the newspapers and magazines and all right, that. Right, right. But, like, to actually read something like this was just, like, oh, amazing. But you watched. I watched it. Then I started reading something else. Because I was also reading yes. and watching it at the same time. Do tell me about your trip that you made and then back to that place and then back again. Is that what I'm thinking of? No, I was talking about Naruto. Oh shit! I thought you were talking about Tokyo Ghoul. That one was different. That one, like, I think it's like, I'll, I'll get into that. Okay, one yeah, in a yeah sorry. I'll let you talk I'll about get, Naruto. I'll get yes. into that in, in a minute. So Naruto, like, let's be real. As much as people like rag on Naruto because it's like the typical big three and all that, and we do rag on it, it a bit. It, it, it's because, fucking yeah, dope, though. Yeah, and for me, it was just like. This was like the making of my childhood through to adolescence, through to like like 
prepubescent through to like being an adult. Like I, I finished like Shippuden like seven years ago. I will probably still watch it all over again. I think for me, in terms of the big three, uh, Bleach did not make that much of an impact. Obviously, one it was piece, cool as shit though. It was cool as shit. Um, but there were definitely a lot of like goofy stories in in, in it, and I think like and one even piece then, yeah. you've kept up. I have not uh, for a long, long there, time. There, like there very early be, on, there are going to be people listening to this being like, "What the fuck? How did you not like talk about One Piece?" And I'm like, "No." One Piece is great. It's it's fantastic. It's amazing. And get, but but my journey through One Piece only started like six years ago till now. I, I did nar- not give yeah. that much shit about Dragon Ball either. Yeah, it was Naruto that for me as well. And I'm sorry to like over t- like like take over no, what you're saying. I think, like you, I think you and I hold the same kind of like at least similar thoughts on Naruto. When I think back, it wasn't reading about pokemon it was watching pokemon but for me it was reading naruto it was buying the 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 traditional chinese yep all my all my naruto's are in chinese in at like you my my when i bought them they were 40 bucks 40 hong kong dollars i bought it for 27 <laughs> yeah okay yeah yeah i got my yeah. like 40 hong kong dollars yep I would just. Eat, I uh, even own the. I, I, I would, even own the. What do you call it? Like the character books. Oh, okay. I own like four of them. Yeah. So I would like. Literally, I remember like every weekend, uh, whenever I because I, I, I at that point I was doing like Taekwondo classes. So right. I would I would get done and I would walk over to this little shopping mall where they had like like little food stalls. I would get like my my fish balls and all that. Then I walk over to like the manga store right next to it. Go in there and see. Do they have the new? volume of bleach one piece or 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 naruto lo and behold they always had new naruto whenever i went in there i just stand there eat read and then afterwards you know what i read half of it i think it's time i buy it i buy it go home read the rest of it and then i cry because it'd be like i gotta wait another like three months before the next one comes out yeah i i, I so get it because it's like you don't have yeah. shonen jump we did not have jump plus manga plus serialization in a magazine just like you know a shonen weekly jump is not available in hong kong not a thing not a thing at not all. a thing at all so we did have i think coco but it was a bit iffy but that's like that's why there was personal attachment legitimately it would be like three long months of waiting for the next volume and then of you would reread yeah yeah i would reread because i'll be like well, I got nothing else to do. I already have like the first eighteen volumes. I might as well just reread from the beginning, and then whilst that's done, then maybe the volume nineteen comes out. Ooh, and then I go and check, and it's finally there, and I race back home to read it. Yeah, for sure. Now onto the Tokyo Ghoul thing. To be a thing. yes, I don't know why. I actually still don't know why I love Tokyo Ghoul so much. I think it's just because like I thought the art was fantastic. I thought that, and, and and this is like you know contrary to like what 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 you might think about my perspective on Tokyo Ghoul. Whilst I absolutely love Tokyo Ghoul, I don't think that it has as much personal impact in that sense because mm-hmm. I think what I my, my whole admiration was the style, the characters, the story, and all that. But when it really came to like me actually going out and buying a manga, yes, I did buy that manga in Japan while I was there, and I read both volumes in two hours. But I think the main thing for me was if it was down to like my most personally impactful manga experience, it had to be me like 
as a 12 year old walking over to the mall and waiting for the next volume of Naruto to hit the shelves, buying it and reading it. That that's why like I will always have a soft spot for Naruto, no matter what. Tokyo Ghoul is definitely up there in terms of like my own personal favorites, but it's not personally impactful. That's what I'll say. I think that for me it comes to no surprise that the transition from manga to anime when you add in sound and color that is kind of what you would say is kind of in very obvious fashion the differentiating factor between anime and manga actually i I do have a question Mm -hmm. so you said that like for the longest time ghost in the shell was your favorite movie of all time until sound voice came along right yes would you say that a sound voice is more personally impactful than ghost in the shell no not even close there you go, then. Just because something is better in your books does not mean it's more impactful. Yes. And just like how something can be crap or, so to speak, like, you know, not highly acclaimed does not mean it holds no personal attachment or significance either, right? So the idea is less about the score and the acclaim and the renown and the fame as much as the personal context behind a certain property. It just so happens that Usually speaking, you know, stereotypically speaking, when something is of high acclaim and, you know, it's just good, it invigorates a lot of personal attachment to it. That's just how it is, but it's not always a set in stone rule. I I think, yeah, just I think mostly because if something has universal acclaim, it means it was able to touch a general populace in the same way. Whereas, like, that's okay. But 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 it does also does mean it's like more often than not, it's not going to be like entirely personal to you. Yeah, you're going to enjoy the shit out of it, but there's going to be parts where you're like, "Eh, it's not quite like pertaining to my lifestyle. But like, I also still really love the shit out of it. But there's always going to be one series that people may or may not just you know vibe with it. But for you, it's like this is me. This is this is the thing that made me the person I am, or this is the first. This is the thing that shaped the way I see the world. That I see manga and anime, and no matter what people say about it, it's always going to have a place in my heart. So, with the inclusion of you know audio into anime. Will, it comes to no surprise that you would think that uh, certain shows that incorporate a lot of music are shows that hold a lot of significance. But I'm not talking about Sinful Gear, despite uh, me having a soft spot for Sinful Gear. Uh, I'm sure Sinful Gear is going to be very upset to hear that. I know. Uh, I'm pretty upset to hear that as well, despite me believing that. Now you, I, I see the cogs in your brain thinking like... Is there a way for me to fit in Sinful Gear into this list now? But no, like, it th- won't. Th- let's be real, right? Like you love it, but it's like how impactful is it really? Yeah. And the anime that I'm talking about is actually a nine out of ten. The movie though is a ten out of ten. I'm talking about Kageki Shoujo, Kageki Shoujo Review Starlight. Yeah. The perfect mixture of slice of life, girl love, singing, and performance arts, such that. It is I can't impossible. Believe, I can't believe with... it took you almost two and a half years, over 60 episodes of anime for you to finally come out and say that Review Starlight is personally impactful. Oh, yeah, fucking no <laughs> shocker, right? So 
the reason why Kageki Rev Shoujo Review Starlight is personally significant is also purely because a it's an original property. So I hold a lot of personal attachment to anime originals just because I know it's harder to pull off in general. And also because you can't do the audio performance, the songs in a manga format. I mean, you technically can, but it just doesn't hit the same when you have the singers kind of belt their lungs out, you know, give it their all on the backdrop of this magnificent melodramatic girl love type of you know backdrop battling shit that is also homage to uh, Utena and also homage in many ways to Sailor Moon and uh, it is such a treat to behold that it's not going to be for everyone I can't advocate people to watch it because it really is not everyone's cup of tea. But man, it is such a good show. Then have it end on a cliffhanger and be like, the fuck? Then have a two-hour movie announced, waiting for it, and have it be ranked in the top 100 anime of all time on my anime list. Or I think it's like the top 200. is insane. That's still really high, yeah. So... I have not much to say other than the whole production I mean, you, and I mean, performance what, of it. What else do you really need to say outside of the fact that we've had so many episodes of you chilling for Review Starlight, and now you're finally coming on and saying, you know what? I admit it. It's personally at, uh, impactful. It's like, oh, really, Jason? Biases is it, involved. Is it, is, yeah. it, is it really personally impactful? It took you this long to come on and say it? <laughs> Uh, I know we said that scores is not a factor, but it, the movie, the two-hour movie, holds an 8.53, ranked 110 on my anime list. Do you want to guess the member count, though? Probably, like, in the hundred thousands? 15,495. Yeah. You're, you're, you're one of the 15,000. I am. You're, you're literally in the 1%. <laughs> I will tell you now. Of all of the anime movies that I have watched, a movie tie-in, the finale movie for Review Starlight is my favorite tie-in movie of all time. Period. For me, me it'd be The Melancholy of uh, Suzumiya. I can see myself also agreeing with that when I get to watching it. (laughs) I feel real bad because I know it's good. Just like how we've had that discussion before, right? We know it's it's good. It's fucking good. It's it's just I haven't gotten around to it yet. Personally impactful music-based anime for me, I would say Kids on the Slope. I think that's like as much as like I really love a lot of the Yoko Kano's Shinichi Watanabe collaborations because they've done Macross Plus, they've done Cowboy Bebop, and I love the shit out of Cowboy Bebop. But so, like, I think like in terms of personal impact, Kids on the Slope just does it for me. Even though I didn't grow up in wartime Japan, even though I didn't grow up in that sort of like, or you don't know how to play jazz music. No, but like you, you. All of a sudden, like the unfamiliar becomes familiar we to should, you. We should probably watch Blue Giant when it comes out. There's that a, that jazz trumpet one. There's a lot of stuff that we need to watch, but for sure, let's let's finish up all the Blue series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what, what was the other one that was announced recently too? That also has a blue in it. Oh, you mean the one that's playing right now, Blue Orchestra? Yeah, yeah. But unfortunately, we can't there's watch Blue it. Flag. That's a manga. Uh, did you get Blue Spring Ride for your cleanup? Yes, I did. Yeah. 
There you go. There's tons of uh, because we talked about um, teenager and the word for uh, blue. blue is the same kanji. Yeah. So, but but um, I'm gonna say something potentially very egregious here. Kids on the slope, live action or anime, will still hit relatively the same. Review Starlight. And Sinful Gear, for example, I'm tying Sinful Gear back in, as a live action is borderline impossible. I don't know about that. I mean, I don't know about the kids on the slope live action, to be honest. Yeah, but that's I, how I, I, I feel. I, I think it's, of course, it's grounded in realism. Of course, you're going to be able to have like a real like wartime setting and have like real life people play jazz and have that similar kind of impact. Like, but, I think Tacked but, Up but, Destiny, but, for but example. Here's, but, but here's the thing, though. Mm-hmm. Does it exist? It doesn't. So you can't really make that comparison, can you? Oh, no, no, no. It's personal bias. Exactly. Like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, we're also talking about hypotheticals here, yeah, too. Absolutely. I and, am, and I feel like those things can't really be factored into. Like, this is not even an argument about yeah, like, exactly. what, 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 what one can do and what can't do. It's more just like, if there does Like, do you know yeah. it will work? Yeah. I actually don't know for a fact. That's just what I, my opinion is, right? Yeah. So, so I totally get that, though. So. Yeah. Oh man, I went through all this without talking about honey and clover. <laughs> I mean, you could you could talk about it now. Nah, it's cool. I think like we've run up enough. I mean, I've, I've talked about that already enough, so no need. Okay. Is there anything else you kind of want to say? No, that holds... I, I think that like. I mean, this is not the be all end all of well, of, of I mean, this like, topic, we're, we're, right? We're just running off of what's on the top of our minds right now, so. I think this this is probably a good point to you know just wrap up our thoughts on you know personally impactful anime and manga series that you know we we still like you know cl- hold close to our hearts to this day. Um, but look, like I'm like 15 years into my anime journey. You're slightly longer than that. Um, Very who, nice of you to who say knows, it like that. Who knows what's going to happen in the next couple of years? I mean, we're watching stuff right now. They're like, ooh. These these are bangers. These things could potentially be in that little small small sweet spot of. I'm going to personally carry these carry these series to my grave. But well, when you saw Redline the movie, how much of a shit did you lose? Okay, as I, will not not as much of a shit as how much I enjoyed the shit out of uh, Prison School. I'll say that. And. You can always reach us through our email, gapallet at gmail.com, J-P-A-L-E-T-T-E at gmail.com, all lowercase, all one word, on Twitter using the handle at palletgood, capital P and capital G, all one word, or using um, our invite link for our Discord server that is in the show description. You can also visit our website, www.goodanimepallet.com, all lowercase, all one word. Music credits for this episode. Our intro music is Overthinking by Dylan Sitz. And our outro music is I Don't Mind the Instrumental Version by Particle House. You can always support the music artists that we listen to on Spotify, Apple Music, or other various music listening platforms. And our royalty-free music was provided by Epidemic Sound. If you're interested in using Epidemic Sound as a service, there is an invite referral link in the show description. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, I mean, it just so happens coincidentally that a lot of the works that we talked about are also highly rated or highly acclaimed, right? And maybe 
there is a there's there's a reason why that invigorates that kind of thought and fervor for a lot of people. But when you attach personal memories and experiences into watching an anime or reading a manga, it becomes not only personal but non-applicable in terms of rating almost at a certain point. Yeah, but again though, it's like these are stories, these are these are like videos of things that we've watched in red in the past that probably had a lot more meaning at that time and therefore like we're still going to be carrying that level of importance to this day like i mean like i was reading and watching full alchemist brotherhood and full alchemist regular and naruto at the same time i was also watching honey and clover and nobody no dame cantabile right i hold all those in the same regard right and also more recently too there's some stuff that i feel personally attached to as well which i think like if we had a longer episode to talk about i would have talked about the kaipa i fucking love kaipa it's that uh, Masaki Yuasa, really weird. Yeah. Oh, oh, the heart, hollow heart, and that then one. it is like cartoon, more yeah. really weird esque yeah. kind of thing. Memories implanted. Yeah. Space travel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, uh, I didn't like it as much as you did, but it was hella dope yeah. still. I fucking love that one. Give it a nine, I think. Oh, we have to watch Inuo. Hopefully, it's airing soon in Hong Kong. I need to watch a lot of stuff. And we need to watch a lot of stuff for next time, right? Well, do we really? I don't know. I mean, it depends on when this episode releases. We might have already watched a lot of stuff, and then there's less stuff to watch. But then you give it a week, and then there's even more stuff we need to watch. Yeah, and then you'll be like, well, Jason, have you thought about manga? And I'm like, I kind of did, and I kind of do. But Will, have you thought about manga? And Will would be like... Well, there's a lot of, there's a lot of manga that I want to read. But unfortunately, some of it is not translated into English yet. And there's a lot of manga that is basically stuff that I'm already watching. And I'm just waiting for the current season to end so that I can just continue on. Yeah, I feel like that with um, Joshi Raku. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm kind of like that with like um, like like um, Golden Kamui. I've read ahead. Oh, we I forgot about Golden Kamui. It is airing in spring 2023 right now, right? Is it? I thought I thought season part, four, season right? Four already came out. No, I thought it got delayed due to COVID. You're right. Yeah, you're right. Fair enough. Yeah. So huh. I actually don't. Am I wrong? There was right? definitely a delay. There was definitely a delay. I, I legit don't it was, remember. It was, it was the same season that um that uh uh what was that video game that got adapted? To be. Oh, near yeah. near Armada. Or was around the same time that near also got delayed too. Because Nier was also spring. And I guess like Uncle, spring, winter, I, and I yeah. guess Uncle Isekai as yeah. well, right? Yeah. Wait, when is season five coming out for Golden Kamui? No clue. They've I, not announced anything? I haven't I haven't checked. I haven't seen the news for it yet. It's just that the manga is over. Like yeah. complete. I, th- I think so, yes. I think it is. Okay. I, th- I think it actually is done now. Yeah. And just like how Golden Kamui may or may not be complete, we are completed by finishing this episode. Will, do you have any parting thoughts before we depart? Uh, yeah, Golden Kamui has 31 volumes and actually ended April 28, 2022. What about a season five? Have they announced a season five? Uh, I don't see any news about it. And then season four, yeah, I mean, so far only three seasons. Season four, at least, I'm looking just on Wikipedia right yeah. now. 
And at the end of the day, guys, and let's end on this. Sorry, is, no, season four actually is out. It's just that it has been delayed because, yeah, it, it the last episode that came out was November 2022. And the new, uh, the, it, it, it's the whole... Um, Uncle Isakai delay thing. Yeah. Okay, so when is it? The when next, is it out? The next episode comes out May. But what about has any episode aired in spring? Like when was the last episode after May? Like I said, November twenty twenty two. Oh, okay. So it, uh, it's not resumed airing. It's it's literally just been on a six month hiatus. Shit. Well then. Yeah, I feel bad for all the Gotenkawi fans, including myself. But I mean, I'm reading the manga, so I'm okay. <laughs> And regardless whether it is anime or manga, and whether it is good or bad or anything in between. If you like it, if you care about it, if it means something to you, if it's important to you, let it be. Like, don't let anybody deter you from holding something to your grave. Uh, Except when you ask Will about the anime adaptation of Tokyo Ghoul. Yeah, fuck that shit. Okay. (laughs) Except that I still think that, you know, Unravel is one of the greatest OPs of all time. I fucking hate that. I know, guy. I know, but that's why I'm allowed to say it because it's still personally impactful to me. See, haha. We'll catch you all next time. Bye.